Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend in Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. We've got the show's namesake, Mr. BJ Shea, on assignment. Hello. He's doing something else. But running the boards is Joey D. Hi. On today's show, I think Joey and I are going to nerd out about Magic the Gathering. Maybe a little. There's something really cool going on with Magic Arena, but there's also something interesting happening if you're in the competitive scene and whether or not that really kind of has a PR problem or not. And then, of course, we're going to get to the Geek Cheat with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, djgeeknation.com. Get our blogs, podcast, and more. 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 <laughs> more. Or just search for BJ Shades Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Radio.com, and iTunes to find us. Yeah. And we're just going to get right into the Magic the Gathering talk. Now, we're going to start off with some good news. Some fun things because, Joe, you hipped me to this, and I'm actually pretty excited about this because with Magic Arena, uh, it is kind of like the quick play Hearthstone version of Magic the Gathering on PC. And you can play the old school Mitgo, which is more traditional where you buy like legitimate packs of cards and you keep the collections, and they go back for... Oh, they did the master set, so they have a lot of old cards, a lot of weird rules interactions with a lot of those old cards, which makes it kind of goofy. Um, but one of the things that Magic Arena um, has been has been it's been all about the newer sets, and now they're starting to kind of go back a little bit because of basically because of the historic format, right? That is correct. Okay, and so they have actually announced now that released in November 2020, and this is for Magic Arena, they're going to do Kaladesh Remastered. Which is not the uh, not the full sets for uh, Kaladesh and Aether Revolt. It's kind of a mashup. Yeah. So what's been going on is because Arena was a big format for a long time was standard because they wanted to you know they were releasing all the new sets and they were kind of backlogging the old sets and the way they would do that would be mashing blocks together and doing a a full set release called a remastered set, mm. which in this case is going to be Kaladesh, which is all the blocks combined but only select cards from those blocks, but like one set. So it's like 250 cards from the combined block itself. Okay. And one of the big defining things from Kaladesh was the vehicles, yes. which was basically uh, kind of like equipment. It was an, enchant- an, an artifact that would come down, and then the crew ability would be a crew and a number, and you had to tap that much power of a creature in order to crew the vehicle. So if it had a crew of one, you could take a little 1-1 creature, tap it, and suddenly your artifact became an artifact creature that could now attack and block as normal. And obviously they had to bring that back because it was the defining thing for this other than energy, um, which is another mechanic that uh, I think they have to do it. I just wonder because it seemed to be super parasitic when it came down to um, the formats at the time. Yeah, most of that format had a problem because of the standard. It wasn't so bad in the more of extended formats. Mm, you know, was okay. not modern at the time or Pioneer now is another one. But yeah. yeah, like you said, obviously Marvel had or Marvel Aetherworks and other cards were banned. Yeah, because they just ended up being too good. Yeah, which and, is fine. Yeah, and I mean there were and it, it'll seem interesting in that sort of end because that means it's going to be tuned towards. Um, Drafting with these, which will be super fun. Yeah, and they only impact the non-standard formats, which is nice because, again, the big problem was when you have such a small amount of sets, specific cards or specific abilities or, for instance, energy or vehicles could end up dominating a standard format because they're just a little bit more powerful than the other things in standard. Enter a format like Historic, you're not going to have that problem. 
On top of the fact, when you combine both the sets and only release one set, you have a great limited format because you're designing it for this one specific purpose. Exactly. And I mean, um, if you've been reading online a lot recently, and we'll be getting into some of this, um, like uh, a lot of the tournament structures uh, for Constructed have been uh, in disarray at best, but their draft formats have been amazingly solid. Yeah, it's very odd. The better the draft <laughs> format, the worse the standard format is. And I think that really does go to the fact that if you look at the amount of games most people play, I mean, these pros are playing six, 7,000 games themselves. I mean, you're going to solve a format <sighs> very quickly. Yeah. And it's just it's just the information that you would get out there. Back in the, back in the day, all you had was the dojo, and people would make fun of you for making net decks. Yeah, or you got the Scry magazine that came out once a month. <laughs> yes, I love pursuing uh, perusing those, man. Oh, dude, I mean that's where the homebrews came from. You, even the card prices that really didn't hold at all because it was really based on where you lived and stuff like that. Yeah, but exactly. I, I loved it, dude. You had the articles, reading about what was cool, what combos were put together. But nowadays, I mean. You go online and you have 10 different websites with 10 of the same deck list, all with one different card, and then you watch people play it online and you've mm-hmm. solved the deck in a day. Yeah. And even like watching, um, it was funny, I, it's for some reason, I mean, obviously it's because they've been in the news a lot, I've started watching a little bit more of the big tournaments on Twitch, um, just on the official channel. I didn't want to get too deep into it. Um, it's it's fun to watch it, but then I'm also I'm a little bit removed from it. So there's a couple of times where I'm like, oh, I need to look up this card. They're just casually mentioning it. And I'm like, why is that card good? Oh, that's right. Wizards releases a ton of product. Yeah, a lot of product. That's kind of why I've backed off from it so much because it's kind of trying to keep up with the Joneses. Um, obviously, it's really nice because with Magic Arena, you don't have to pay into it a lot. I mean, you can just play it for free. Magic Arena is the cheapest form of any game I've ever played with <laughs> this much depth, to be yeah, quite honest. Exactly. Exactly. And if you're interested in Magic Arena, you can literally download it for free, try it out, see if you like it. Um, Kaladesh Remastered is set to release on November 5th, so uh, it's a little ways away, but uh, not too far. And Historic has been, in my opinion, the premier, premier format on Arena right now. It's the most balanced. Uh, there's a lot of diversity, and this set in particular will just add more to that. I don't think you're going to see anything weird come out of it. I don't think Smuggler's Copter is going to be in the sets. I think they need to get rid of that one because that was one of the few cards that were banned out of them. Yeah, and Wizards has done a very good job specifically in Historic about realizing that and understanding where their power levels are and where their synergies come from. So I think that when this set releases, you'll see more probably energy-based decks with other cards in them from the other sets that might add not that energy mechanic or that Aetherworks Marvel combo, but, but maybe just instead value well. yeah. or mid-range yeah. control of stuff. Thoughtseize was a great addition that they recently added that really allowed for people to play whatever they wanted without being overpowered because mm-hmm. they could always get stripped from their hand. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those cards. I think Thoughtseize is probably one of the best cards ever made because it, uh, for a loss of life, you get to spend one black mana, look at an opponent's hand, and remove a card, a non-land card, yes. from it, which is, you're like, oh, that kind of sucks, but it's a one-for-one, one. it's just a removal, but again, it balances out those discrepancies when you have an overly powerful card. Yeah, especially now that the power creep, you know, power creep's a thing, it's not, not a bad thing, it just keeps happening. It's just what it is, yeah. And Thoughtseize is a great way to make it so that you don't just get 
blown out by a single kind of card where you're mm-hmm. like, well, they can always re- reproduce a planeswalker. They can always reproduce a burn spell. This way that Thoughtseize solves that problem, but it's also not busted because of that power creep where your opponent still can top deck cards that do things. Absolutely. It just slows the game down a little bit. Yeah, and it makes it, <laughs> it, makes it uh, more accessible for in- any state of the game. It's just not, you don't like look at a hand and be like, oh, well... I guess I just win now. There's always that, well, they get to go first, and, well, now I just lost that key piece. Let's hope I can get it. Exactly, which kind of leads us to the standard problem. Yeah, so you watched um, uh, this weekend, or the, a, a couple weekends ago, there was a big tournament. Mythic Championship, I believe? They have all sorts of grand champion, grandmasters. I don't know. They have all sorts of weird names for things that I used to remember as the Pro Tour and yes. qualifiers and states and all that stuff. Well, uh, they've changed the names, and I don't remember. It doesn't really matter. But before that, they had banned uh, Uro, which was a pretty powerful card in terms of just card draw. And they were looking to hopefully quell the decks that were play. All sorts of different lands, cast Omnath, Locus of Creation, and then just snowball into victories. Well, it turns out that maybe Uro was an enabler and maybe not so much the problem because there were a lot of Omnath decks that made, uh, well, I know for sure the top eight. They made six of the top eight. And then I think ultimately won the tournament because the decks going against it just got kind of crushed anyway. Yeah, I mean, these these tournaments are split tournaments, so they're half standard, half historic. But you do end up playing the standard versions of the decks in the finals, mm-hmm. top eight. Uh, the top four decks were all Omnath uh, um, Ramp-ish or, or, you know, Adventures. There are two different versions of the deck. But yeah, Omnath was 70-something percent of the field, I think, <laughs> uh, that got entered. And again, this was only, I think, a 24-person uh, field, so it's not a huge field. Yeah. But the point and the problem that it shows is that when one card dominates to that point, there isn't diversity in the format for the professional players. Now, that's one, you know, lens, right? You know, mm-hmm. if you're a regular person, you can play whatever you want. I mean, Rose, Seth, I mean, all these people that didn't register on that are still great players, so they clearly thought that they could get an edge somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But the problem is when one deck does something like that where you go, well, at worst, I might be a 50-50, you really push archetypes out of the format, and that's what Wizards doesn't yeah. want to see. Exactly. You want a, a healthy, diverse format. And part of the problem, A, is technology. Uh, and we just talked about the fact that you can uh, – information so quickly gets out there that a format is, quote-unquote, solved very quickly. And then suddenly you need stop gaps to figure out, oh, can this deck now go against this deck if it's geared towards that? And with one of the things like with Omnath, Omnath is a 4-4 for 4, but it's four different colors. Like, he's red, green, white, and blue. It should be difficult for you to cast him. Yeah, and that is the big problem. Not Okay, it's not a problem. I'm going to take that back. That is the big uh, design flaw that I see with Omnath in general. Wizards has come to the conclusion that double casting cost spells, so green, green, white, red, is much more difficult to cast in any given format than one of each color. Because of the new mana bases, they added the triomes, which were the three color lands. Oh, yeah. They added the untapped flip lands, which are two colors. So getting one color of a mana is easy. Getting two colors of mana is a lot harder. Omnath is one color of four different colors, which actually just essentially makes him castable on four in almost any deck that you want to play him in. Especially now, too, because also in this, in Zendikar Rising, they brought back a favorite, which was Lotus Cobra. And 
unfortunately, when you have a lot of stuff that allows you to play lands, play extra lands, or even the new fetch land as well that lets you get a basic, you can double up, which is cool for landfall, but when it comes down to Omnath doing multiple things with his landfall triggers, it it gets hairy really quick. Yeah, you know, it, it, they did do that, and I agree. Is it, I mean, Fabled Passage, Passage has been one yeah, of the, the better card, lands yeah. in the format for a while since Field of the Dead. But I think my big problem is, not problem, but again, the issue that we keep running into is that Wizards is playing catch-up on their format because, like I was saying about Historic, Standard doesn't have the pillars that they can stand on because of how small amount of sets they have to work with. Like, when yeah. I talk about Thoughtseize, that's a pillar of the Historic format, meaning that it can prop up entire decks. When you move to Standard and you've banned Oko and you've banned Uro and you've banned, you keep going down the ban list... You just have less cards to work with, right? Every good card in a set is going to be rare or mythic or common. There are only so many in each one. Yeah. So what happens is uh, specific abilities from sets end up dominating. So, for instance, you saw Adventures be really popular in these Omnath decks because when you go to each set in Standard, you go, well, what's the best archetype they have? Well, this was Adventures, this was Energy, for instance, or this was this. Well, you have Omnath as Ramp. And ramp yeah. was the best strategy in all of these formats, going from Field of the Dead to you know the next format to the next format. So what you get on when you get to the uh, end of it, you go, well, the only cards remaining in these sets are ramp. Yeah. And then Omnath goes and fits into that deck. That's why I think when the banning of Earl, they thought, well, hopefully that'll slow it down to the point where Adventures might be able to kick back in, or maybe Embercleave and that aggressive strategy will kick back in, or Winota. But well, what happened was. It wasn't good enough. And that was, a, <laughs> that was so interesting because, like, with Adventures, it makes sense. Now, Adventures, if people don't know out there, Eldraine came out with cards that were Adventures where you could cast. It was like an instant or sorcery, and then it would be a creature or vice versa. And you could cast it for the Adventure. Or, no, you could, yeah, cast it for the Adventure. It would go into Exile, and then you could cast the creature and because it was going on an adventure. And yeah. so these are super fun, but they're also cards that uh, are doing double duty a lot of the times and are very good. And then, yeah, with, like, all the ramp, you're getting your colors fixed, you're doing things, and then it gets – it just gets into that thing where it's like, well, we need – we need a closer. And you're like, okay, cool. Let's look at Omnath. What does it do? Well, not only closes, but it's a stopgap in the middle because it gains you life with the four life, which suddenly takes aggro strategies and just neuters them unless you can win super fast. Yeah, and that's where Embercleave came in to try to balance that out. But I, I talked a little bit about this with a lot of my friends, my roommates. The big problem I see when you print life gain on the, the premier card in a deck like that is the mirrors. A lot of times when you used to play a control mirror, yeah. you would take the aggressive side on the play or you would sideboard to be more of the aggressive part. Yeah. When you print cards like Uro and Omnath, you remove that line of play because it's almost impossible to beat that additional life gain in a deck that's already supposed to be, say, ramp or control. Mm -hmm. So you, when you play the mirror a lot, you sit there and go, well, I have to go over the top. That pushes out mid-range decks and makes control decks very difficult because your deck has to be bigger than the the ramp deck. And ramp decks in general are good against control usually. You know, look at Tron yeah. in, say, uh -huh. you know, modern. And then you got to look at the aggro decks and go, well, can the aggro decks beat the additional four land if they don't draw their, their Ember Cleave? And the answer is usually no. Yeah. And it's even in the terms of, like, trying to figure out the balance um, Magic has a real problem with balance, and it always has. And a lot of the times it'll be like, well, we need to print um, some sort of answer in the next set. And so when we've got the playtest group and the design group working together to try to do that, 
they they figure out solutions in their own future league because they play about two years in the future with cards. So they're trying to design things and figure it all out. But they can't determine whether or not a card will be banned until it goes out to the public. By then, they've already tried to design cards that would work, uh, work with the format that they've created in-house. And recently, it really, really seems that um, whatever they are doing in-house at Wizards is not translating to what people are actually creating out in the competitive formats. Yeah, and again, I think if you look at the last two years, because I think the last year has been difficult for Standard, the last two years has been okay, um, You, it's the it's the addition of Arena. I mean, it really mm-hmm. is the fact that there is so much more data out there and players are learning the format so much quicker that Wizards doesn't have enough time to rebalance every set every time it comes out. And that's not, I don't think, any real blame on the R&D or anyone who's testing the game. The problem is that when it does get solved, we need better solutions. Because I think it's kind of one of those things where you know now that you're going to release cards that are too powerful, or a deck might be too good. You either need to be ready to fix it, not like you did with Companion. Companion was not a good fix. That neutered (laughs) all of it. Yeah, that was a real awkward fix. But be more readily available to be like, all right, we need a new group of people to test these sets as they get released, so we know where we need to go with them. Mm-hmm. And then, like one of the, and it was just like the pro the the, the problem with having Magic and it being uh, a paper product in the beginning, and still is, even though they're they're translating it to a digital product, they're trying to turn it into like a Hearthstone, which. If Hearthstone has an issue, uh, they can just errata the cards. Like, they just change the digital. They go into the programming and change the thing. You can't do that when you have a simultaneous paper and digital product that is suppo- that is doing the same thing. And so you can't just errata a card and just change a text line in it to be updated like everywhere because people still have the paper versions. Yeah, and I mean, I will give this to Wizards and Arena in general. They're incredibly generous. If they ever do ban a card, they give you your essential cost of the card back. Yeah. And they have multiple formats, so a lot of times if a card gets banned in standard, you can still play it in a different format. This Mm -hmm. is more just a balancing issue. Yeah. I don't want to say it's a nitpicking thing, but at the end of the day, when you've been a company for and and Magic has been along for around for so long, you're going to run into these problems. I think it's just inevitable. So the idea is, you know, yeah. can the player base accept the fact that the game isn't going to be what it's used to be, and that they're going to have to be ready to solve a new format every time something like this happens? I don't think you're going to stop these bannings. I don't think it's going to. They, I think the last year has proven that it, they just have to release so much product so quickly to keep people playing that. It you know it, it's just going to be a thing. I don't know how that works with the paper side of it, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's a problem in arena. I think if you told me yeah. that they needed to yeah, ban cards every two weeks or every month, they'd be like, okay, that's fine. I mean, they give you your stuff back anyways. Part of the problem when it comes down to the paper part is like the feel bads of I'm yeah. opening uh, uh, packs of cards, and if you and here's the big deal on all of this: if you are playing at home, kitchen table with your friends. This doesn't matter at all. Nope. If you're playing Commander, this doesn't matter at all because what this runs down to is you're having fun and you're playing a game that you love. If you're doing it in a competitive series or anything like that, you're playing tournaments, you're playing uh, whatever Friday Night Magic is called now. They like if you can do that in a, you know, with friends or whatever, it's that doesn't matter. 
No, like, it, no. It just comes down to the competitive side on that. If you're playing for tournaments, playing for money, playing for prizes, doing whatever you want to do with that, then it becomes a problem. That's where all of the vocal people are coming down. You're not going to see anybody notice or care if their Omnath is like, you can't play that. It's like, yeah, I can. I'm playing at home. It doesn't matter. So it really only affects people who are playing on a more serious level. Yeah, I mean, I can understand being frustrated as a standard player watching cards that are expensive get banned and then mm-hmm. you having no repro- reproducing repercussions that cost that yeah. is what it is to play the game. Reparations? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Um, but again, I think this is kind of a move that makes sense, though. I mean, Wizards is never going to kill the paper game. They have no... You know, purpose or no reason to do that. It makes the money. They want to keep doing it. Yeah. The professional side of it, you could convince me would move to arena. I think the biggest argument and the easiest one is it's cheaper and you stop cheaters. And you know what? To mm-hmm. be quite honest with you, if you really want to grind the game out for your love of the competitive aspect of it, arena is just better in general, like all around. You don't get that. Yeah. I get to join my friends, but Wizards has been moving away from that for a long time. There are no 250 person PTQs. No. You know, you, you, it's a gr- more of a grind based aspect of how you queue. So, and this was even before we had a worldwide pandemic. Like yeah. this was, yeah. they were gearing away towards that anyway. And again, it's not stopping you from playing with your buddies and your friends and just doing that casually, even going to your local gaming store and doing so like that. It just means that they're lower stakes, but leaning towards doing it in a way that you can just sit down at your computer anytime you want to play, which is why I loved Magic the Gathering Online so much before they even had Arena. Because sometimes I just want to sit at home and maybe play, do a draft or play some Commander and then move on with my life. Yeah, and I mean, based on... Off of again the limited format that we've seen in the last year, it has only gotten better and better. And I feel like if you're going to design a board game that keeps selling, the best thing to do is make that first time purchase the best feeling you can. And mm-hmm. if I'm a new player and I walk into one of these formats and I start playing, I can only imagine I'm pretty happy about it. They're very entertaining, they're very interactive. They make sense. The latest set really brought in a lot of D&D lore that Which was easy to understand. Yeah. So I, as a player that I've been playing for 20 plus years, I might be frustrated <laughs> at any one type of thing. But I think from uh, you know a company perspective, they're still doing a great job. Yeah. And the whole thing with all of that is they want to get new people into play. So they're having some fun with the decks. They're having fun with the secret lair stuff. And I know people are mad about the Walking Dead secret lair, but I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Other than the limited availability, which I get, which is going un- is basically going to undermine a, uh, any sort of market when it comes down to it, because these cards are very good, can be used in an eternal format, also Commander. I just feel that on something along those lines, they need to kind of up the uh, the product so like everybody has a chance to get them. Um, but I mean, if you're playing at kitchen table, I'm not going to advocate uh, counterfeiting cards. But if you really want to play with Rick uh, from The Walking Dead. I don't think your playgroup is really going to have a huge issue with you just kind of like putting in a little proxy on it for that. And I don't, and that's the weirdest mindset that I've ever seen from a collector. Oh, I can't get these collector's items because they're a collectible and they're rare. What I that is the yeah. literal definition of what they're selling yeah. you. Yeah. So I don't like, know what you want from them. Collectors getting mad about it makes me laugh. Gamers who want to play with it in a tournament setting because it's legal in that and they don't have access to it, I understand a lot more. Oh, I could get that. Yeah. Again, legal and legacy. <laughs> I'm go ahead and uh, spoil this for you, but uh, Wizards is not going to support that format. No. So uh, exactly. <laughs> You're right. I mean, it's just one of those ones that isn't the money maker for them. They're business guys. Yeah. They're owned by one of the biggest game companies in the world. 
things like this are kind of those concessions to you having a game be this popular and be around for, yeah, what, 25 years? Longer? Yeah, and for a little perspective for you that don't like the uh, limited supply, uh, there was a time where Wizards could not sell one premium product that they sold. Uh, <laughs> they could not get it off the shelves. So I have a feeling they're a little bit happier with how things are going these days. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Now, because of what happened in those last tournaments, we're talking about banned cards. If you do play standard, realize that Omnath Locus of Creation is now banned. In addition, uh, the card Lucky Clover, which was basically a card that duplicates any uh, adventure, which was a little powerful. I was watching uh, the the tournaments and watching when that came down. Oh yeah, it was it, it it's it's format defining. Hello, game changer. Yes, and even Escape the Wilds, which is again one of those cards that lets you get more cards. It, it's very expensive uh, with five mana to let you look at the top five cards of the library to play cards exiled this way until the end of your next turn. You can play an additional land with it. The problem is, is with Ramp and Lotus Cobra and Omnath, who can trigger more mana as well, too much mana in one turn really negates the five casting cost of it. So it's a little too powerful when it comes down to it. Yep. Yep. So some things are banned. You can check out the Wizards site and find out all about that. Um, but to be perfectly honest, if you're playing Magic Arena, you'll get refunded on some of the cards that get banned, and you'll be fine. I already got refunded. But oh, good job. Yeah, but for those of you who know, the standard format is much better now. I've played a little bit. I've watched a little bit. It's more open. It seems a lot more fair. It's not all Omnath. There's a lot of mono green, a lot of rogues, a lot of gruel you got new options yeah exactly so have fun out there playing your wizard poker and uh just you know ah, just play magic just game just and if it, it pisses you off stop playing for a little while then you'll come back to it yeah Jesus, how we all do that uh where's vicky oh there she is hey vicky Hi. it's time for the geek sheet with vicky b vicky what's up so i'm it's it's, it's like cool news but i'm kind of bummed still huh uh, so I think a while back we might have discussed that uh, Charlize uh, Theron yeah. is not going to be returning for the Furiosa prequel, the Mad Max Furiosa. That's right. And she was kind of bummed out about it because they're looking for someone younger. I mean, I get it makes sense, but come on, it's Charlize Theron. Like, she's fantastic. It's like Mad Max, uh, uh, Muppet Babies meet Mad Max. Mad Max Babies. Okay, I'd watch that. <laughs> <laughs> we need a younger Furiosa. But apparently they've already cast three people for the movie including Anya Taylor-Joy, who we've seen in Split, and she's going to be in the New Mutants movie eventually. Oh. <laughs> well, the New Mo- Mutants movie did come oh, out. Yeah, it did come out. Yeah. I just haven't... Uh, well, I was uh, expecting it to come out on, like, Disney+. Plus. Yeah, well, it'll probably come out on a streaming thing eventually because they probably want to make a little bit of money on it because it bombed. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's what you forgot. Yeah. <laughs> it is not good. Anywho. But, eh, maybe we'll see it someday. Uh, Chris Hemsworth is also attached. And then... Huh. Yahya, uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen II, who uh, was also in, uh, oh my God, uh, Aquaman. Oh. He was Black Mantis. Oh, okay. And he was in something else recently, and I'm blinking. Well, that's a, uh, I, I did finally watch Aquaman, and I mean, the. the What'd bl- you think? Well, um, Watchmen. That Watchmen. He was in Watchmen, sorry. Oh, who was he in Watchmen? Who do you think? Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. That was yeah, him. I liked him a lot more in Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> Black Mantis's uh, costume was a little off-putting. Yes, not gonna lie on that one. Are you excited for uh, the Mad Max prequel? Because I am. I love Mad Max, and I love. I, I've never actually seen the whole, all the other movies, the mm-hmm. pre, the previous ones with uh, Mel Gibson. I've never seen them all the way through. I've seen bits wow. and pieces, but Mad Max was phenomenal. It was probably one of my top movies ever. 
Like to the point where I had to go buy the Blu-ray. Like I don't buy <laughs> movies often, like tangible movies, but I had to. Yeah. I just I just love Charlize and everything she does. Like she can do comedic. She can do badass. And the amount of commitment, if you guys want to see her kick some serious ass, check out Atomic Blonde. Oh, yeah. So I never did go see that movie. I actually, uh, one of the, another movie that I own, I had to go out and buy because it is she, the amount of work and strain. I think she was talking about how how much the her and all the like the stunt people like kicked ass, like in the sense of I had to buy a lot of shots after a lot of these shoots just because it was intense. <laughs> and that's I love. I mean, it seems like you've got kind of a, a, a big fangirl sort of moment with Charlize Theron. I think it's just she's so like how many other actresses have that many badass roles under their belt? It's a good that call. are good. Oh, and that's the thing too. I mean, because if you think about it, like usually they'll have like a defining one, right? Like I'm thinking like Jamie Lee Curtis with uh, um, uh, with the Halloween series, yeah. uh, with a couple of those, and even coming back later on with that, or even like Sigourney Weaver. You'll remember mm-hmm. her from uh, Alien and Aliens and all of those Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, um, and then also Avatar. So there's like mm-hmm. three of them where she was in those like kind of actiony roles mm-hmm. and even with Ghostbusters you might well it's not actiony but she had to do a lot of stuff right especially involving I mean yes it's a comedy but also a supernatural comedy where she's playing a possessed person there's yeah. a lot of stuff that's going on with that I mean yeah. Linda Hamilton oh yeah yeah but also it, that's what like well the Terminator franchise because yes. she's been in so many I was thinking Angelina Jolie was one okay good call yeah it's then, been a minute though since she's done anything especially anything actiony mm-hmm. yeah and then uh, Zoe Zaldana yep Yes, because you've got, obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. but she's done a bunch of other comic book movies in addition to that. Uh, the Losers was mm-hmm. another one. and then She obviously, was an Avatar. Yes, and Star Trek. And she had a yes. spy thriller as well at some point. Ooh, really? Yeah, I don't remember what it was you called. I didn't see it, but I do remember <laughs> seeing her in it, I believe. Uh, I think the other only other ones that would kind of go on that list of like continuously doing movies where they're badass, like physically everything, mm-hmm. uh, would be Lucy Lawless. Yeah. Because she, I mean, movies and shows between Xena and uh, Ash versus Evil Dead. And there was one more. I forgot oh. she was in Ash. That's right. Yeah. I was like, kind of like, wait, I remember she's in something. She's been in a lot of like nerdy franchises. Oh, now, see, now you got me looking up a Xena Warrior Princess just to see where it's at. And uh, maybe it's on, it's on NBC.com. I'm hoping maybe it's on the old Peacock. I guess Michelle Rodriguez did a lot too, didn't she? But, like, yes. it's, but she's mostly just. You know, Fast and Furious. You don't really think of her as anything else. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think of Grindhouse and some other stuff too. But Grindhouse right. had everybody. In it. <laughs> she had a machine gun, but also her. What's that? Her? I thought that was Rose McGowan who had the machine gun leg. Was it? Yeah, Rose McGowan had the machine gun leg. But did she get killed? It was one of the two. I think she got killed. killed yeah, in planetary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was in Avatar too. Yeah. She, she was, was a gunner, she right? Was, yeah, yeah, she was. She was the gunner oh. pilot that uh, yeah. uh, befriends. Uh, uh, Chan- is it Channing Tatum in that no, one? No, no, because I thought the same thing Sam for a long something? time. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. See, the problem is, is that I, I got a, a little inebriated with some friends, <laughs> and we were watching Avatar, and we decided to rename it "The Adventures of Chad." And so, <laughs> Chad, Chad, yeah, Chad, yeah, Chad goes to another planet, and so we were just making fun of it the whole time. So I just keep on calling him Channing, uh, keep calling him Chatting Chad, Tatum. Chatting Tatum. <laughs> Honestly, though, Avatar, you really only know Sigourney Weaver. Like, I mean, you know all the other actors and actresses. But either you don't really think about it because they are blue, like Zoe Saldana, yeah. or you don't really care. 
<laughs> I guess. I don't know. Uh, there was a lot of controversy with Avatar when it came out, but yeah. I'm kind of bummed out that she's not going to be in it. I would love to see her somehow kind of pop in maybe at the end. All these actors, though, they're a part of it, are fantastic, so... I can't complain. It makes sense. Theron's 44 and Taylor Joy is 24. Ooh, wow. So there's a 20-year difference. Like, I get it. Okay, so yeah, they're actually, like, leaning towards a lot younger than at that point. 44 Mm -hmm. doesn't seem that old to me. Well, I'm glad because I'm 41 and that makes me feel better. Well, Chadwick (laughs) Boseman, you know, rest in peace, he was, what, 40-something too, 41 or 42, yeah. Yeah, I don't understand how you can't convince, I don't know. Hollywood is weird. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Like, seriously, like, I mean, you even watch it, like, there'll be, like, people talking about it and kind of joking about it. But, yeah, like, a woman hits 30, and now all of a sudden they have to play, like, mom roles. Mm-hmm. And you're like, get out. Right? Like, you don't need to worry about that. Do you want to see something cute and wholesome, by the way? He's talking about that. Uh, I think it was on, uh, was it the Graham Norton show? And it was Meryl Streep talking about how she turned 40, and then within a year she got, like, four different roles to be a witch. And she's like, I guess... That's it. And uh, at the same time, Mark Ruffalo was on the show and he said something like, oh, a lot must. It's like, I don't get those roles anymore. Something's like, oh, a lot changed in six years. <laughs> and she like goes and gives him a big old smooch. And he was like, oh, <laughs> like, like, just fan, fanboying like, oh, my God, I got a smooch for Meryl Streep. <laughs> so just go check it out because it's so cute. Right. Um, but uh, how much time we got going on? Uh, go ahead and do one more. Well, I mean, I got, you know. A big one. Okay, well, we'll save that for the next one. I don't want to hear about your big one, weirdo. Fine. Wow. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> that escalated. Well, let us know what you think about all of these Magic the Gathering changes. Whether you know you think it's good or bad, or if you want to, like, you know, throw out any input on some of your favorite things, what do you fanboy or fangirl about? Because I want to hear about that as well. Well, until next time, guys, stay nerdy. 